I'm Mason Parrish with Parrish Ranch in Cut and Shoot, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, just about all of our crops here in Texas have been affected by drought. Rice has been affected as well, but it hasn't really done much damage to the crop. We'll take a closer look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Declining well capacity is causing many Texas High Plains farmers to look for new production alternatives. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about a learning opportunity covering forage sorghum. With fuel prices so high, agricultural producers are looking at the fall propane availability and prices outlook. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more details on those prices and availability on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall. It's a good day, and one word will wrap it up. Rain. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We watch the weekly crop condition ratings that come out from USDA each week, and most every crop has had very poor ratings this year thanks to drought. The one exception to that has been the rice crop. For example, last week in Texas, the rice crop was rated 41% good to excellent, 48% fair, and only 1% of the crop rated poor to very poor. Now, all of that rice is grown in southeast Texas, one of the wettest parts of the state. But rice farmer Paul Sleva in Matagorda County says he still faced a drought this year. We're in a drought. I mean, uh, probably we've only had 15 inches of rain, so it, it took a little bit more water than, than on a normal year to, you know, to keep the rice, you know, the, the crop uh, watered up. Uh, but without all the rains, it you know you, you don't you have problems with rains come with with levees and stuff. Anyway, it, it it was a pretty good year as far as farming rice. Usually in a in a dry year, rice does better than in a wet year. Pollination being the main thing, you know, you get rain during pollination, it it, it hurts the crop bad. So, um, so as far as rice, it was it was a good year to farm rice. And while many farmers would have loved to have had 15 inches of rain this year, Sleva says that's nothing compared to what he had last year. Well, I, I'll tell you, last year we had probably 90 inches of rain all year. I, probably, I had 30 inches in May alone last year. Normally we get 45 to 50 inches a year. I'm guessing 15 inches is, is what I'm guessing. Uh, I've been keeping track because we haven't had much rain. So it, it's been dry. It's been hard, you know, not just on the rice crop, but cotton, corn crops too. Saliva says the drought was bad, but the high heat affected his crop more than anything. 
Women account for 36% of U.S. farmers and ranchers, and Texas has more female farmers and ranchers than any other state. Dee Dee Jones with Texas A&M AgriLife says she's working to make sure women are included as important members of our state's agricultural community. I've been working in uh, agriculture in the Texas Panhandle for about 25 years now, and I've noticed that on many, many family farm operations, it is truly a family type system where, you know, the women are just as involved as the men. Yet when they go to meetings, I think a lot of times they find it rather intimidating because they tend to be in the minority in those meetings. And so I feel like one of the key decision makers in a family sometimes gets left out. And so that's why it's very important to me to involve them and have some of their own individual programs that they can take advantage of. There are over 156,000 female farmers and ranchers here in Texas. Declining well capacity is causing many Texas High Plains farmers to look for new production alternatives. James Hunt tells us forage sorghum may be an option. When it comes to silage production in the Texas High Plains, historically corn has been the preferred crop. But with intensifying water challenges, many area farmers are switching to sorghum. Here's Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Dr. Jordan Bell. Over the last several years, we've really seen interest in forage sorghum take off. And we have for years talked about how forage sorghum is adapted to this region. Forage sorghum is a heat and drought tolerant forage that performs very well in water limited environments. But as long as producers have had the well capacity to optimize production potential yield and quality for corn silage, that has really been the silage of choice. And really, as we consider silage, corn silage is a very high yielding silage as well as a very good quality silage, but you have to have the water. So if the time has come for you to consider forage sorghum, Dr. Bell says there's a wide selection to choose from. As we look at forage sorghum, and especially with the data from our trials, we see that forage sorghum hybrids have improved drastically over the years. We have forage that really can meet any producer's goal. If you want to know more about forage sorghum, on Wednesday of this week, AgriLife is offering a tour of trial plots located west of Amarillo. Various presenters will be on hand to discuss topics related to forage sorghum, including animal nutrition considerations, marketing opportunities, and insect control. For more information and to pre-register, look for the AgriLife news release online by searching with the words Forage Sorghum Field Tour near Bushland. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Rising fuel prices have taken a bite out of many Texas farmers' pocket this year. But Hank Hill will gladly tell you that propane prices have held fairly steady. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the supply and price of propane and propane accessories. For Texas farmers and ranchers, the price of fuel, especially diesel, is a major concern as prices have hit record highs. So that has many producers wondering about the cost of propane and its availability this fall. Mike Newland, Director of Agriculture Business Development at the Propane Education and Research Council, says there are no indicators of a supply disruption moving forward to fall harvests and winter plantings. 
While we've seen crude and natural gas raise to record prices, propane has been very steady during that same period of time. You know, as you look at the farm and how fuel intense our farming industry is, I think it gives growers a great opportunity to lock in their bottom dollar by taking a look at pricing tools that are available to you at the local propane supplier level. It's an opportunity for you to lock in what the energy that you need for this fall. We'd encourage you to communicate with your local supplier just as fast and early as you can. Newland adds that propane is a versatile energy source that allows growers to utilize it in several ways. Just outside of the grain drying space, we've got uh, tremendous opportunities. We're in a pretty advantageous space from price so as we compare to, to diesel and gasoline. So anything around the farm, I think would be a great time to explore conversion or a, a move to propane power. We do a lot of irrigating around the country that runs on propane. We heat almost every livestock building. If you're not on a natural gas main, we're heating it with propane. So we've got some pretty novel things that we can do with our fuel. We would encourage everybody to maybe take a look at propane propane.com slash agriculture to see the offerings that we can power around the farm. That is Mike Newland at the Propane Education and Research Council. I sell propane and propane accessories. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. East Texas farmers are enjoying some much-needed rain right now. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. Across East Texas, we see nothing but happy faces everywhere you turn. I just had a visit from a commercial hay producer in here in the office, and he said, this rain is going to make me $7,000. Now, that may not be much to somebody, but to him, that's a big load off the pocketbook for him this year because it has been so dry. I know you know that. I know everybody this week's talking about rain, but boy, the creeks are coming up. The farm ponds are really looking good. My friends that live on uh, Caddo Lake, Lake of the Pines, they're just tickled to death, as so old saying goes. So we see that. I have checked from the I-30 corridor running from Mount Pleasant across there to Texarkana, and down below uh, I-20 corridor all the way down to Nacogdoches. This area has received anywhere from four to eight inches of rain. Now, that'll multiply as they get rain on up north and they begin to fill the creeks and the tributaries going into Lake of the Pines. It'll get that lake on back up to normal, and, and uh, they'll open those floodgates so that that water can run on down to Caddo Lake, fill that one up. You get the idea. It's going to trickle on down all the way to the coastline, and we're going to have a good fall. This rain came just in time to get the moisture in the ground so that the folks that are going to plant winter pastures first part of October, they'll have an opportunity to plow ground right now and get it prepared. For those of you that are going to be putting in food plots for deer, excellent weather conditions now exist. Get your plowing done, get your seed ready, and you'll have opportunity to plant some good plots this year to attract the big bucks. We do hope so anyway. It's kind of the way that it shapes up fall gardens will be greatly assisted by the moisture that we have received. It just, see, it just makes you happy, doesn't it? Makes you feel good all the way around. Right here in East Texas, this is James Duncan reporting for Texas Ag Today. Two additional Texas lakes are now infested with zebra mussels. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And treating for a common fungus in pets may not be enough. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Treating for a common fungus in pets may not be enough. Dr. Bob Judd says ringworm can be hard to get rid of. It is not unusual for a pet to develop ringworm. Ringworm is not a worm, but a fungus, and it commonly occurs in young animals, especially kittens. Many people find a stray kitten or puppy and bring them home, only to be surprised when those spots of hair loss on the skin is diagnosed as ringworm. Ringworm is successfully treated in most cases with various medications, and the only other concern is that ringworm is contagious to humans, so you have to be careful while treating the pet to prevent human infection. However, treating the pet is not the only concern, as the ringworm fungus can produce spores that can remain in the home environment and can be infectious to other pets and humans after the initial pet's infection has resolved. So not only do you have to treat the pet, but also must decontaminate the environment. Hopefully you have kept the pet isolated to one area in the home to make cleaning easier, but this is unlikely in most cases. A recent study was performed in 70 homes with ringworm-infected cats, and all of these homes were part of a foster program, so all pets were confined to one room. The rooms were cleaned of all visible debris and surfaces were wiped with a household detergent and a solution of bleach or accelerated hydrogen peroxide. Although 50% of the homes were negative for ringworm after one cleaning, some homes required three cleanings. So the point of today's program is always have your vet examine a new animal to make sure there are no infectious agents present, and always confine a new animal to a small area in your home until this exam occurs. Thanks for listening to today's Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Two additional Texas lakes are now infested with zebra mussels. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Anglers, boaters, and other visitors to Texas lakes are being reminded to clean, drain, and dry their watercraft and gear when leaving a water body to help prevent the spread of invasive species like zebra mussels. The reminder from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department comes as it confirms two new lakes, Walter E. Long and Diversion Lake, are now infested with zebra mussels. Lake Walter E. Long, also known as Decker Lake, is east of Austin. Zebra mussel larvae were found there in October of 2018 and May of 2019. Then, in early August of this year, two adult zebra mussels were found in the water body by biologists from the city of Austin's watershed protection. That finding means the lake has an established reproducing zebra mussel population. The private access diversion lake in Medina County was also recently classified as infested with zebra mussels after numerous mussels were found in July. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department says that lake is immediately downstream of Medina Lake, which is also infested with zebra mussels. 
so it's likely that the mussels spread downstream to infect the reservoir. To date, zebra mussels have been found in 34 Texas lakes. 30 are fully infested. But there are many more Texas lakes that are not yet infested with zebra mussels, and it is up to visitors to Texas lakes to help prevent the future spread of the invasive species. You can do that by cleaning your watercraft and gear when leaving a lake, draining all of the water out of it, and by drying it. Additional instructions and a short instructional video are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's website. You can also find information on texasinvasives.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We did not have any agricultural market trade on Monday because of the Labor Day holiday, so we'll take a look back at how the markets wrapped up on Friday. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. State officials warn that weather conditions are creating a high risk for wildfires across the state this summer. Warmer, drier than average, and windy conditions are combining with dry vegetative fuels and increasing the potential for significant large fires. Keep your eye on the weather during the summer months and heed warnings from local officials. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market ended the week Friday on a strong note with triple-digit gains in the live cattle trade. October live cattle up $1.75, $144.55. December up $1.67 at $150.25. February live cattle up $1.22 at $154.37. We also saw gains in the feeder cattle market. September feeders up $0.72, cents, $183.87. October feeders up 60 at $184.95. November feeder cattle up $0.55, cents, $186.25. Cash-fed cattle market dropped a dollar over the past week. We saw most of our sales here in the south at $141. Up north, live sales were 143 to 145, both of those a dollar lower compared to last week's averages. Boxed beef was higher on Friday, choice up a dollar ninety, two fifty-nine ninety-seven, select up a dollar seventy-two at two thirty-eight thirty-one. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry for Producers in Cargyle San Angelo's on the line with me. Jody, you finally got some moisture and you had a sale. Cut receipts down today to 640 head. Uh, overall, demand remains really strong for these better quality kids and yearlings. Slaughter cows and bulls, fully steady on those. Of course, continued best demand for those heavyweight and high-yielding cows and bulls. Limited number of bred cows today. Did have a couple of packages of pretty nice cow-calf pairs, and they sold slightly higher. Better quality steers. Four to 600 pounds from 140 all the way up to a high of 225, mostly 155 to 185. Six to 800 pound steers, 130 up to a high of 180, mostly 145 to 165. Better quality heifer calves, four to 600 pounds from 130 all the way up to a high of 190, mostly 140 to 165. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from 63 to 77. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 79 all the way to a high of 89. Slaughter bulls, not that many on offer today. The average to high yielding 
slaughtering bulls from 80 to 95. Did have a few of the very highest yielding slaughter bulls from a dollar all the way up to a dollar 20. Cow calf pairs averaged a baby tooth, uh, averaged a better quality uh, baby tooth and good solid mouth pairs from 975 all the way to a high of 1425. What do you feel like it's going to be for next week? Should be a lot lighter. Uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, we'll get a lot of phone calls Monday if we are in fact having a sale, which we are. Uh, but with the rain we've had this week and the Labor Day weekend, look for things to be a good bit slower. I would guess 4,000, maybe 4,500. Uh, cattle numbers, special cow sale next Thursday. We do know of some cow calf pairs coming, uh, weather you know weather permitting. Uh, so we ought to have at least 900 to 1,000 head of cattle next Thursday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry, producers in Cargill. You bet. Office number is 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. It ended sharply lower on Friday. October hogs down a dollar ninety-two at ninety oh two. December hogs down a dollar seven eighty-two seventy. Class three milk was higher. September milk up twenty-three cents, nineteen eighty-two a hundredweight, while October milk was up forty-four at nineteen ninety-six. Another day of limit down moves in the cotton market. Several factors weighing heavy on this market. We've got the strongest U.S. dollar that we've seen in a couple of decades, and of course that hampers exports. Also, the additional Chinese COVID-19 lockdowns weighing on the market. It's estimated that some 40 million people are locked down in China, only allowed to buy essentials, And they're definitely not out buying any apparel. So that weighed on prices with a limit down move on the December. It was down 500 points, 103.21. March, cotton down 500 as well, closing at $1.14. The corn and wheat markets gained back some of the losses they took on Thursday. We ended up higher in corn and wheat with September corn up 10 and 3 quarters, 6.69. December corn up 7 and 3 quarters, 6.65 and 3 quarters. Same story on hard and soft wheat. September Kansas City wheat up 8 cents, 8.71 and a half. New crop July up 12 and a quarter, 8.68 and 3 quarters. September Chicago wheat up 17 and a half, 793. New crop July up 15 and a half at 838 and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas down 42 cents at 883. October crude oil up 12, 8673 a barrel. The financial markets dropped lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 412 points, 31,243. The NASDAQ down 192 at 11,589. The S&P down 53 at 3,912. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.